Welcome to the Hotel Analyst podcast. Fresh from our early summer break, you find me, Chris Bowne, the editor of Hotel Analyst, sat with Andrew Sankster, the editorial director of Hotel Analyst, to uh, have a look over some of the issues of the last few weeks in the hotel investment space. And particularly, it's been second quarter results all around from all the big uh, hotel groups. Um, and of course, with the uh, the recovery in business, it's been quite interesting to hear from them. I think by and large, they all delivered slightly better results than they'd expected. Um, by and large, China has largely recovered. The United States market is a little bit behind that. Europe's following on and Asia Pacific is still some way off uh, a decent level of recovery. Uh, they're all about here or there some are making a little bit of decay a little bit of profit in the second quarter but many said that um, they're getting into July and August they can certainly see they're all pretty much back in the black uh, of course one of the big issues uh, is whether things are going to be coming back is the new normal going to look like the old normal and uh, we certainly got that message uh, loud and clear from the big beasts from Hilton and Marriott they believe that uh, business travel is starting to come back and they believe that they uh, the group bookings and the big events are certainly looking like they're going to start filling into their calendars as well these of course are the things that make them lots of money the one that stood out to me was one of the earliest companies reporting and that was pandox which is a owner but also significant operator in its own right as well um, mm. mostly owner um, and you know, I, I, as you've just outlined chris i think it's very much leisure coming back domestic business um you know hard on the heels of of the leisure coming back and still waiting to see exactly where we are with international um the most challenging area i think um and also i, I think there is this distinction between what could broadly be called white collar business and blue collar mm -hmm. um the, the blue collar being the um you know the the the, the white van drivers essentially um, folks who travel with tools in hand yes yes yes, yes, yes. so yeah but pandox is uh, i think the most encouraging news from what they were saying is really the the limited impact on values we've seen in the sector in terms mm. of the values of hotel properties uh, um they said that that the cumulative changes and values are throughout the whole period of lockdowns um, since the start of the pandemic, just 5.1%, um, which is really quite remarkable given what we've been through. I mean, it's, you know, very much the worst ever trading um, situation the sector's ever seen, and yet values have come off just as the, to that limited extent. Mm. Um, so, which is quite extraordinary, I think. Um, and, and we are now um getting back to some sort of sense of normality we you know there's a ways to go yet um but some subsectors are actually above where they were pre-pandemic so if we look at things such as i mean we've, we've talked about in the past the the extended stay sector um but if we look at um the the economy stroke budget hotel piece the branded 
bit of that purpose-built bit, bit of that I think that's doing remarkably well and is proving remarkably resilient and is back up there um, also luxury properties particularly where they're in uh, resort type locations uh, they're doing remarkably well certainly in in northern Europe which of course is where most of the Pandox's stuff is stuff is um, there is uh, an interesting contrast between um, how people are coming out of the pandemic so we've got uh, as you mentioned within Europe the UK uh, sort of leading the way really mm. um, you know I think our vaccination program has helped that undoubtedly um, but also countries where there have been really tough restrictions so Germany is probably you'd single out as one of the toughest in terms of their restrictions and the impact not surprisingly if you're going to have really tough restrictions in the German market has been markedly more severe if you contrast Germany and Sweden you know very similar countries in many ways in terms of the level of overall wealth the type of economies etc etc um, the, the, the contrast there is quite marked where the Swedish hotels have carried on being able to trade whereas you know there was negligible trade at some parts in the in the past 15 months or so in Germany um, so I think there's there's quite a, a, a sharp um, distinction there and you know if there's going to be long-term damage it's going to be in markets like Germany so far so good it doesn't appear to be the case um, which is great news um, and, and as you've already outlined China and the US we're getting there and I, I, I'm I more encouraged by the US than I am with China because we've got this kind of you touched on it when you talked about the wider Asia Pacific area where we've got this sort of zero covid attempt you know the likes of um, South Korea Taiwan Australia New Zealand um, these countries and China where they've attempted to have zero covid to eliminate the virus um, quite how they unlock now is going to be quite challenging and we're seeing that in Australia particularly we've seen outbreaks in South Korea we're seeing outbreaks in Taiwan and there's been outbreaks in China yeah and, uh, and if perhaps, you, the, the uh, New Zealand Prime Minister said uh, in the last couple of days they're definitely not going to open up until next year at the earliest so yeah yeah, yeah which uh, yeah and they're going to find uh, it difficult no then one. I'm sure yeah, yeah, indeed. No wonder they're switching filming of the, the Tolkien <laughs> <Yeah>. books to <laughs> back to the UK, yes, yeah. given that it's so hard to get there. Tolkien and I'm indeed. a celebrity. There we are. We are winners. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it's, be, it's truly become Middle Earth, hasn't it, uh, um, New Zealand? But anyway... Um, but uh, yeah, uh, there's also good news in terms of the economy. Um, so we've had this thing in the UK where we seem to be coming back much stronger than everywhere else. But um, I, I think part of the explanation for that is that we did much worse than everywhere else. And that's purely a statistical um, anomaly in that we have um, amongst the most comprehensive ways of measuring GDP, we lump in things like education, whereas most other European economies don't. So therefore our GDP drop when we shut our schools was much more bigger. Um, and, and obviously as we open them, uh, you know the bounce back is much stronger um so it's where we are net net in terms of have we yet got back to where we were um we haven't yet the uk is still 4.4 percent below the previous peak uh contrast that with the us where it's already back up to its previous peak um but the uk is ahead of tracking over most forecasters we're going to get back to previous peak by the end of this year which is a phenomenal recovery um and it just you know what the what we 
remains to be seen is because how quick um well not really how quick but how long the momentum is maintained post that um bounce back to where we were so it's if we can keep this you know four percent and we're not going to keep four percent a quarter by any that's going to be you know nearly five percent a quarter that's extraordinary but if we can keep three or four percent a year mm-hmm. um as we get into 22 and 23 that's going to be the phenomenal thing if we can do that then i think we're going to have a tremendously strong outlook um so that that that's a bit of the unknown and of course you've still got this ongoing unknown around quite what this virus has in store for us um yet so i think we're going to touch on that at the very end of the podcast so i won't say any more <laughs> on that now but um other than to say i think if if we look at everything in the round uh we're coming out of this significantly stronger than what we feared um just a few months ago yeah, and uh, having poured through all of the uh, quarterly results of all the big players, um, I picked out a couple of uh, of companies that uh, I, I feel are kind of winning out of the pack. Um, one of them is Choice Hotels, and the other one is Hyatt. Um, Choice, of course, was the first big group to announce it's going to restart paying dividends to shareholders. Um, and in the results just out the latest quarter, they are he- performing ahead of their 2019 uh, numbers in quite a number of areas. Um, and so, you know, very, very strong performance f- from them within a US market, which by and large is not back to 2019 levels. So choice performing ahead of the market. I, I, I did reflect that on one hand, perhaps they're just lucky because they do concentrate very substantially on the US market and you know the US market has come back well but uh, they also pitched in ahead of the pandemic quite heavily into extended stay and so of course have done very well out of that too but I think you know there's also the these these chief executives stand up every quarter and tell us what they're doing to make uh, their their business more lithe and efficient and perhaps choice was just doing a lot of things right for quite a long while and it's it's left them fitter and healthier to, to come out of the uh, as a pandemic. The other winner I feel is Hyatt um, who have delivered a uh, quite astonishing uh, net unit growth of about 7% in the last quarter. They really are blazing ahead at quite a lick um, and they reckon they can manage rooms growth uh, between 6 and 6% or more uh, on, on an ongoing basis now um, and one of the interesting things that uh, the CEO Mark Hoplomazian said was that he's now looking at Europe he's very interested in Europe and he's interested in possibly M&A activity and acquisition to help drive their growth uh, in, into Europe so um, I'm more um, looking at Hyatt thinking they have done something to your point about what they had in train pre-pandemic pre-restrictions um, has served them well as we come out of that perhaps more than choice which i think choice has been more fortuitous in just where it's been mm. positioned as you say it's got good exposure to extended stay it's also in terms of its market segment it's it's in that um economy um mid-scale without f and b area has much more exposure in that which has been the most resilient as we've just talked about the blue collar business travel coming back but but also the general um leisure travel piece that that that's going to benefit their their sort of segments they're in and that that's across Mm. the piece for all of the all of the global majors and um and i think if you look at the likes of marriott or hilton um they have much 
bigger exposure in that upper upscale piece um, which is yet to show signs of a full recovery and that's much more dependent on um, white collar business travel coming back and also um, particularly in in global gateway hubs um, they they need the international travel to come back so i mean my expectation would be towards the end of this year we'll start seeing that white collar business domestic business travel pick back up and then we'll start seeing the uh, international travel as we start getting into 2022 so i i, I think those that you know that's there i mean but undoubtedly hyatt's done remarkably well given actually there that you know given how they're skewed towards the upper upscale as well in in terms of that sure they've got quite a few luxury but it's, it's mostly in urban mm. areas actually they haven't got a huge resort presence so it's been quite a phenomenal piece there so i think in terms of you know, if you would pick a winner in terms of the what they've done right um in terms of the um management piece i think it's more higher than necessarily choice but as you say there's no you know choice has done pretty well too i mean i think the one irony about Hyatt and talking about M&A activity um, the, the speculation is growing about they might be a target themselves of M&A because they are one of the ones which really do look um, that uh, you know a tasty nugget to, to take out now um, and I think um, you know if you're an advisor to the Pritzker family interest in Hyatt you'll be saying there's never been a better time to sell never better time <laughs> to exit this business um, so I, th I think that's going to be um, you know uh, um, on the agenda at some point over the next year or so um, so it's gonna be interesting how that plays out it's not just a question of um, Hyatt being a buyer they might be a, a prey and, as well uh, how would that work out then would uh, have you got any thoughts as to who might be uh well, I mean, we've we've flagged people. I mean, uh, I mean, I don't have any no, no, specific no. insight as to whether Hilton is looking at it, but I mean, certainly the fit there is good for Hilton. Um, it would, you know, Hilton's thus far have avoided much M and A. I mean, if they were to dive in and do Hyatt, I think that would be, uh, you know, a great way to start the sort of M and A <laughs> trend, really, um, from Hilton's perspective. But I mean, you know, just just looking as as an outsider um that you know that seems to be a, a, a good fit there so um but of course you you know there's a raft of things it could be that we we see there's a huge amount of private equity interest in the sector at the minute so all of those funds looking at this saying well actually hire could be a great business to get into so that you know we could see something along those lines um a take private of hyatt and a buyer of the 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 bulk of the family's interest well we said a little bit earlier that europe was behind uh china and the us in in terms of pace of recovery um uh, but actually we're sort of seeing some of the businesses who are based in europe uh, getting themselves back into the black now. Um, Melia and NH, the Spanish hotel groups, reckon they're now uh, at about break even. Although uh, Accor still got a little bit of way to go, but they have been reducing their monthly cash burn. Um, and uh, comments from their recent results announcements uh, were interesting because uh, I think you know Accor pointed out that. Um, we're still in rather muddy water and you know things are very variable from here to there to there um, uh, so they're just sort of sitting waiting and reckon they're carrying on with their program of getting rid of their overheads reducing headcount reducing layers of management so they're going to be like, like the boxer coming out of the uh, out of the steam room fitter and healthier ready as things get going again um, uh, likewise the Spaniards are all um, 
still on a path to improve and sharpen up their uh, their acts. Um, we've seen uh, both NH and Melia effectively doing sale and lease back or sale and manage back on more properties in the last uh, few months. Deals just been done, uh, hotels in Barcelona and elsewhere in Spain, um, reducing their debt and um, but but keeping the scale of their operations. Um, and of course it's a fast moving situation because I think when we thought about putting this together uh, Brits were still not allowed to travel to Spain but um, suddenly um, uh, the government flim flam about and uh, things that were on a red list two weeks ago maybe on a green list this week so it is a fast changing situation um, so things may start improving accelerating in terms of the way they're improving yeah, um, I don't think quick enough to see a significant jump in in trading performance. That uh, just how bad things are was summed up for me with NH when it trailed its positive news being that um, it, it's now only losing 15 million euros a month in mm -hmm. Q2 um, compared to the 29 million euros it was losing a month mm -hmm. in Q1. Um, that's not a, <laughs> that's not a great situation given we're now entering. Q3, which ought to be the most positive um, quarter they get. So, but I, I don't see it being a standout one. Um, and I think, as we've talked about many times, um, Northern Europe is coming out of this quicker than Southern Europe. And Northern Europe's having a great time because of the staycation, um, which the flip of that is those staycationers are the ones who normally mm -hmm. would head south. Um, and so, Southern Europe is is missing that uh, big time as it uh, as we can see in these numbers actually. So I think it does look like there's going to be a, a much fuller recovery in in Northern Europe before we see that in in Southern Europe. I think there seems to be quite a sharp contrast there. And if you know we're waiting till Q3 2022 before we start seeing some truly positive numbers um, in Southern Europe, I mean there's going to be a lot of businesses in 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 deep deep trouble. Um, I mean, we've we've got this ongoing issue within within the whole sector in terms of these built up um, uh, issues within capital structures. Uh, uh, it, it, the, even with all the government relief, you still are having to pay interest on your on your loans, and you're still having to pay um, and maintain your buildings. You're still having to to uh, pay your landlord in many cases for the rent now that's been a bit of a debate some people have done a what some would argue a bit of a sneaky maneuver such as uh, travel lodge and uh, just said well we're not paying landlords for two years on some of their properties um, others are being sued by their landlords and are at risk of actually losing their 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 properties i mean just looking at the numbers in the uk um, remit consultant uh, remit consulting reckon there's about 6.4 billion uh, pounds owed by tenants um, on high streets in the UK that's including not just hospitality but including retail um, landlords has owed that and I think that has that still to play out how that's fully resolved I mean more sensible routes are being taken um, along the lines of uh, uh, getting in some um, some degree of um, external arbitration um, unfortunately we're also seeing 
you know some tenants um, i would say boots the private equity owned chain of pharmacies in the uk are taking advantage of the situation not paying rent um to their landlords even though they've actually traded not surprisingly for a pharmacy <laughs> for a a, a a bunch of pharmacies they traded very well during the pandemic um so they're clearly exploiting the situation um and you've also got landlords who are also playing hardball and you know trying to force money out of tenants who have not been open hardly at all during the past uh, year and a bit so you you know I, th I think you've got bad actors on both sides more sensible uh, people are, are reaching the arbitrated solutions um, typically it seems to be a you know the 50 50 split which we've talked about before in terms of 50 percent of past owed rent being forgiven where the the business isn't trading um, and full rent being paid once trading gets back and trading is coming back very strongly now again looking at the UK um, um, UK hospitality said you know we have lost in in across all hospitality businesses so hotels restaurants um, pubs um, about a hundred billion pounds worth of sales have been lost in the 15 months since the start of um, the COVID restrictions but Q2 uh, 2021 um, there were 18.4 billion of sales compared to 4.6 billion in Q2 2020 so like for like in that same quarter year on year what you're seeing is a fourfold plus nearly fivefold increase in terms of the the sale so we're, we're really coming back now um, which is great and there's clear signs that we've we've got businesses as is returning so you know but it's it's quite what we do with this accumulated uh, set of problems in the capital stack and how that's resolved and I think we're going to have to see some of the biggest problems in in regions like Spain in southern Europe um, where they'll be suffering beyond two years and also in subsectors like conference hotels where again I think it's going to be two years plus before they fully get back to to you know pre-pandemic levels of uh, profitability so I think those are the areas where um, there's going to have to be the biggest interventions but overall what we've seen clearly and as we said at the beginning of this podcast when we looked at Pandox values aren't coming off but what we will see is opportunities to expand businesses the well-capitalized businesses and there will be opportunities to do that albeit paying at a full price but where you've got a sensible and rational post-purchase plan that you know you're never going to get a better opportunity than you're likely to have over the next sort of 12 Absolutely. months now plus. then we're going to do our five star and no star awards and uh, unsurprisingly uh, they're both going to involve covid so andrew your five star award goes to yeah, well, just how we've managed not to fulfil all the fears around um, the, you know, the post-lockdown easing in England. Um, so if we looked at the, the, the scientists advising the, the UK government, the SAGE um, people, they were forecasting all sorts of horrors in terms of hospitalisations um, once we started unlocking on July the 19th. That's simply not happened. So, you know, they've got, you know, their, their forecast right now, uh, the worst case scenario is we're in 30,000 plus levels of people in hospital right now, where in reality we're about 5,000, which are connected to uh covid and i have to say that that you know some of this is a bit uh, um 
shall we say disingenuous <laughs> in terms of the the way these are being reported because these are people who are turning up you know more than half of the people who are turning up in uk hospitals at the moment are turning up uh, for reasons other than covid and they they're they're then included in the stats because when they're tested for covid they it's found mm. out they actually have it um, so you turn up with a broken leg um, and they test you oh you've got covid then you're down as a covid admission so more than half of the people going in so there's only sort of is so if we say there's five thousand going into hospital um a week um i know that are currently in hospital about two and a half thousand of those are actually there because they're suffering from the impact of covid itself so i think we need you know the the, the data is a little bit misleading here so but but the key thing is we've had significantly uh less impact from the easing of those restrictions than you know it, it is every single one of the scenarios modeled by sage post the july the 19th reopening uh, in england has been has overshot hugely in some cases you know absolutely ludicrously overshot um, but every single one of those models has mm. has got it wrong um, and got it wrong by over-egging the the impact of covid so long as that carries on we seem to be flatlining now with in terms of hospitalizations as long as that carries on that is very much Results, a five yeah. star yeah. Uh, good <laughs> yeah. news ten star you know because it means we're we're, we're not going to have anything you know there's all this stuff you know we're seeing all these worries about uh, you know what's going on in israel at the moment in terms of are we going to have to have restrictions come back into a fully vaccinated population like the Israelis I mean the, the, the Israeli government is saying no it's not going to happen but there is all this speculation about that I think the signs are that we're we're not going to get that in in the UK. You never say never with this um, with this virus, but it, it's looking good for a uh, you know that this is going to become a, a, you know as we've said in the again on this podcast, it's an endemic disease. We're going to have to learn to live with it. We'll live with it with the help of vaccinations. It's going to you know it's always going to be present, um, but uh, you know it, it, it it's there is a way out of this down we're we're well on our way out of it so that's five stars for that and and the uh, no stars is for the ongoing mess about international travel and uh, for some reason i don't know quite what we're doing here in the uk but we seem to be mucking it up more <laughs> than most um so if you look at the the traffic flow through our airports we're about 15 percent um of where we were where we should be um normally if we didn't have the the pandemic situation um whereas we look at places like france and germany they're over 50 percent back above um that the pre pre-pandemic capacity um, um uh, rather traffic levels so quite why are we lagging so much well you know there's a whole raft of reasons i suspect one is the the government's mess in terms of um red green and amber and amber plus and all of this nonsense that's been going on um plus we've got the the we're charging the most for for tests um of almost any country certainly almost any country in europe um so we've got all of this kind of stuff which is uh um still there but i mean as again we've said um it's actually probably pretty good news for the uk hotel sector because that means we've got this staycation boost happening um but longer term we do need this to to stop this nonsense i think it's going to be uh um you know sorted out um in terms of we it looks we're we're evolving towards what is going to be a covid passport um for whatever the 
you know, I think there are justifiable fears about civil liberties infringements with regard to that, but that does seem to be the only way forward on that, certainly from a travel perspective. Um, so I think we're going to be going into that uh, a fully fledged manner um, as as we you know a, and that's going to be the solution to, to help get and everybody on that note, flying. I'm again. going to go and pack for Scotland and hopefully I won't need a vaccine passport to get there. Okay, bye for now. <laughs>